Pa' que tú bailes, pa' que despiertes. Toma mamita café con leche. All right, we'd like to thank John Santos and his Machete Ensemble for that intro song, Café con Leche. Thank you, John. Yes, thank you, John. And here I am, Lila Rascaeta, in the studio again with my mother, Lina Martinez. Hey, Lai. Thank you so much for joining us. My and pleasure. Yes, we're here to ask again, what's harder for you? Getting up every morning and doing this or remembering why you started to do this again? So I think I'd rather answer that by saying that remembering why is what makes it easier and some days possible for me to get out of bed and do this. Um, because, you know, the older I get, the achier those bones get. Um, the harder to stick it up in those mornings. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the why is what keeps me motivated, for sure. And um, the why for me mm -hmm. is been a passion of mine since I was in high school uh, when I was rather geekish and read all about what Ray Kroc did for McDonald's and how he basically created the franchise <laughs> for food. And I thought, wow, I think Cuban cuisine should have that same success. What lucrative hobbies you had in high school. <laughs> <laughs> lucrative aspirations, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my mission remains today to bring authentic Cuban cuisine to as many people as possible, fast and fresh. Yeah, which you do here in the kitchen. You make sure that everything is hand-trimmed, super lean, super healthy. You make all and the spice blends here. Yeah, super flavorful. Cool. <laughs> and super, you know, authentically Cuban. Um, Pre-Castro. Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Although even we have evolved, mm -hmm. uh, which is why we refer to our uh, mission as partly Cuban evolution. Uh, and um, we we do things uh, with a little bit more of a healthier conscious. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, uh, some menu items, not traditionally Cuban, but adapting to our California market, include paleo options. That's right. You've got something for everybody in here. We do. We yeah. do. Um, but, which brings me to another point. I don't know if you mind us touching on that, about the one of the objectives, the original objectives, yeah. of how to make this more uh, widely accessible is to make it a, a business model that's easily scalable and by by that I mean a menu that is streamlined and not as extensive as some of the Cuban restaurants are throughout Those, Miami, yeah. New York, uh, LA. They're usually pages and pages long. Hefty because, menus. Yeah, because the options in Cuban cuisine are expansive. Mm -hmm. um, but in order to make it more accessible and roll out faster and, and, and standardized, in a standardized manner, um, a la Chipotle, for example, mm -hmm. um, you really do have to streamline the menu. So it's it's a tricky balance even here today. I'm still experimenting with the menu, um, trying to figure out which dishes are the most popular ones so that we can replicate the store in another city right. sooner rather than later. Yeah, we got to find our, uh, our darlings, right? Yeah, and uh, we, we've pretty much narrowed that down. Uh, our menu isn't pages long, as mm -hmm. you know. There are uh, a number of iterations that you could have with the same menu items. Right. And in the same way that you could customize a Chipotle bowl, you, you could do that here, too. 
Right. So that's how you want to, you know, make it as accessible to as many people as possible, fast and fresh. You want Cuban cuisine to be as prolific and as mainstream as pizza, uh, tacos, um, chow mein. Right. I think it has that potential. I have never come across anyone that hasn't liked Cuban flavors, the the garlic and citrus or the smoked paprika um, or the cumin and garlic in some cases. Um, they're really bright flavors, um, very uh, savory and sweet, which complement each other in an umami kind of a way. Um, really palatable across many def- demographics, um, whether it's children or grandparents or anything in between, different races, cultural backgrounds. Um, everyone that's ever tried it has, has really liked Cuban cuisine. And so I, I, the research that I did leading up to opening uh, the food truck and the, and the first restaurant revealed that there was a successful Cuban restaurant in every state of the union at that time. This was, we're talking, oh, 14 years ago. Actually, 15 years, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you think you'd be back in the restaurant industry after closing the New Jersey location and the food truck out there? No, I I didn't think I'd be lucky enough to have the opportunity. And some who have been in the restaurant industry um, as an owner would probably question my sanity for choosing the word lucky. But it's been a passion of mine since, like I said, I was in high school. So um, when somebody asked me what I would be doing if I had my druthers and money were no object, I said, open my Cuban restaurant in a heartbeat. And that's what... That's what happened. You That's got an angel investor. <laughs> it's literally um, what happened. Although the person who asked, who posed that question um, in California when I was selling high-end electrical equipment, um, he he didn't end up being the angel investor. Let's put it that way. Right. He had other um, angel interests, motives. <laughs> but <laughs> lo and behold, you found somebody, the landlord here. Yes, I hope he doesn't mind that we divulge that, but yes. Oh, well, somebody very sweet Mm -hmm. who had had a lucky break once decided to extend you a lucky break. I asked him why he was doing that, uh, and he said uh, he had helped. He he had been helped when he was younger, and he likes to pay it forward. Yeah, which I think we like to do as well. Yes, and uh, we've been, um, I think, fortunate enough to come across that um, more than once in different ways, especially in the last year and a half. Yeah, especially since coming out here, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. The relationship factor out here is... And you're right, it feeds off itself. We like to do the same and uh, wherever possible. All right. So, really quickly, what were some of the growing pains of this California rendition of Cuban kish- Kitchen? I think too many to highlight for this podcast, Okay. if we don't mind no. uh, holding off for the next one. We can divulge more of that. In the next episode, episode five, mm-hmm. have you ever thought about throwing in the towel? Oh, sure. Who doesn't? Uh, I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's a moment. It may be a hot second. <laughs> and then back to dancing to our Cuban music. Yeah. So your, your why is the motivation for why you do this every morning? Absolutely. And that, can you just summarize what it was for us again, your why? Again, it's the, the passion and belief that people would love to have a Cuban restaurant and Main Street, USA, um, anywhere in, in the country. Um, and uh, just like we didn't know that we all wanted an iPod before Steve 
Steve Jobs. Jobs invented it. I think that people don't know they want Cuban food until they try it. <laughs> so aside from your why, what are other tools that help you stay motivated? Oh, thank you for asking that because uh, I want to give a plug to Ryan Holiday, who wrote a book that I referenced in one of my newsletters, The Obstacle is the Way. Fantastic stuff. My my therapist, uh, uh, Tom Winter, uh, exposed me to the Stoicism philosophy, mm-hmm. or philosophy of Stoicism. I'm not sure what's correct. But um, Ryan Holiday has done tons of research and written excellent books on, on this philosophy. And I find myself listening not only to his daily Stoic podcast, but... Uh, reading or hearing, listening to the Audible books over and over and over again because they're really inspirational and so appropriate and timely for today. So what what lessons or practices from Ryan Holiday do you use now? Well, to- particularly in The Obstacle is a Way is to see challenges as that actually is the way to another means of being successful. So take the pandemic, uh, you know, um, we lost all of our corporate catering business 50% overnight, of our business. And that represented more than 50% of our sales. And we pivoted. We actually pursued what I originally set out to do, which was target individuals, not just, you know, large groups, uh, large group orders that are done by one fabulous person who I love my uh, associates who who do order for us uh, corporate catering. But now we've had to pivot to target a much wider uh, target market and audience. And so it's pushed us to realize the potential of our dream. That it is actually something that people... So that obstacle became the way. Right. <laughs> people want Cuban food, and we're finding a way to yeah, give I'm it not, to I'm them. I'm not downplaying the impact that the pandemic has had. We're not out of the woods. No. But, um, again, the book it's about what, what's great about this book. And this book talks about many um, people throughout history who have had either born with challenges or... Um, have suffered and encountered challenges that... Time and time again. Yes. And how they worked through it, around it, over it, under it, you name it. It just became a path for them to a better life. Different, sometimes harder first, but then maybe better. You love inspirational stories like that. And I I think... comeback stories, too. Yeah, you love comeback stories, which I love that we are a comeback story. Yeah. So stick with us as we continue to unfold our comeback story with rendition three of the Cuban Kitchen out here in California. Indeed. Yep. And also be sure to stay tuned because we've been cooking up some fancy things in the kitchen that we're excited to share with you. Some Always specials. experimenting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some very special specials for the holiday season. All right. Make sure you subscribe to our email. Thank you so much for joining us again for this episode of A Meal and Two Mics with me, Lila Rascaeta, and my mother. What a beauty she is. All right. Thank you so much, folks. Love you next time. A Soraya por la mañana le gusta en cantidad, se muere si no toma café con leche.